Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Man, oh man, last Sunday, didn't Pastor Mark preach a message that had the paint peel off the walls? Encountering the Lord is so important. I remember, you know, I, I recently was talking to someone. People are always caught up on follow-up, follow-up. Man, if you really read Jesus in the Gospels, he never like stopped and said, let's create a follow-up program for these people that we're ministering to because the follow-up was they encountered Jesus and they were going to chase him down the remainder of their life. When you meet the Lord, your life is changed. And not to not. It's not, I'm not knocking discipleship or anything, but I'm, I am saying, look, get a real encounter. If you, someone really encounters God, they will be changed. When you get to heaven, ask Paul about it. Ask anybody about it that encountered the Lord. They'll be changed. Amen. So today I want to preach a message and we're going to open up sometime for baptisms. Who in here already you feel you want to be baptized today? Wave your hands at me. Who's planning on being baptized? All right. All right. Today is a good day. The water is fine. Um, I'm going to preach a message called The Past is Past, Your Best Comes Fast. Amen? I think it's important before I get into it, let me just say that uh, I pray that I'm able to communicate well this morning what I really feel in my heart. It's not necessarily like a sermon I've prepared more of just um, I feel the call of God to this generation. This generation is being faced with the biggest onslaught that I've witnessed in my life of just demonic agenda after demonic agenda, confusion, perversion, lust, greed, lack, fear. Fear was tried to perpetrate across this nation at an all-time high, and it's manifesting in many different ways. And God never wanted His bride to suffer on this earth waiting for deliverance in heaven. He actually came to empower the bride to stand while we're on this earth in absolute victory so that we can show to those lost in this world the goodness of God by what manifests in reality in our life. In other words, God never intended you to go to church 30 years and be fake saying everything's okay when everything's not okay. It's not cool. But we do it because we don't know how, to, how do we address the fact that not everything in our life is hunky-dory, as we say in the South. You know, everybody know what hunky-dory is? Come on, if you don't know what hunky-dory is, today we're going to hold you under the water until you get the revelation. Because when you come up and grasp that first breath of air, you'll be like, that was hunky-dory. You're welcome. Illustrated sermons at their best. Sometimes you got to wait till the arm is just about done flailing and then bring them up. Some people are thinking about their husband right now. He needs it, Brother Caleb. Yeah, he does. But um, we're not supposed to be fake. But we get fake because... We don't walk in total victory in our lives because well, there's areas open, unchecked, that we keep allowing the enemy access to our life in. And so then it affects all areas of your life. I remember one preacher once told me, he said, think of your life like a hallway full of doors. And if you open one of those doors to the devil, 
He has access to every area of your life. That's what people don't realize. If you give the devil an inch, he will take a mile. You say, well, I'm, I'm not perfect like Christ. I understand that. Repentance is the tool given to the church. It's when you harden your heart to these things that you're dealing with and try and ignore them and pump grace into your mind like it's all going to be okay, but don't deal with the sin or the root of the sin or the constant things bringing that back in your life that you get yourself in a problem where you actually become fake. God never intended for the bride to be fake. We're not supposed to act like we have victory, but we're really defeated. We're not supposed to, you know, sit there and, and condemn another person for what's going on in their life to justify what we're hiding in our life. We're supposed to be at least pursuing holiness with everything in our lives. And, and when we screw up, have the, have the heart to say, God, here I am again. Wash me, cleanse me, set me free. I don't want this in my life. And people use every excuse under the sun. Well, my dad was that way or this way or America or American culture. People use the culture of what they've grown around to excuse the sin in their heart. Your goal is not to be a good American. Your goal is to be Christ-like. And Christ-like has everything to do with the Word of God and nothing to do with what's trending on Twitter. It has nothing to do with what people are acting like even around you. It has to do with what would Christ do? Who is Christ Jesus? What was he like? Christ humbled himself and became flesh to show us that even while in the flesh, God was still going to be perfect in every way. And he said, I'm holy, therefore be ye unholy. No, he said, I am holy, therefore be ye holy. Man, I can tell you right now, this is such a popular message. I feel the love... But it's, it's on my heart, you know, the, to realize when we started this church, the Lord said, stand for three things. Proclamation, transformation, and consecration. We believe in preaching the gospel. Whether we're doing an outreach with backpacks or giving away a television or Sunday morning, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to give people and a chance to receive Jesus. That's the most, before we'll build you a house, which we believe for the day we're going to give away a house. But when we give away a house, we're going to use it as a tool to bring people to preach the gospel to and then give away a house. You say, is everything about souls? It is all about souls. Jesus came for one thing, to seek and save that which was lost. Souls is the currency of heaven. Amen. And so we, we absolutely believe in that. Preach the gospel. Preach it. Till you can't preach no more and then give a call. And if one person responds or nobody responds, you still preach the gospel. Yes. The gospel is the only thing that has the power to transform lives. You cannot doctor feel someone out of sin, but you can preach the hell right out of them. <laughs> Amen. Say, do you believe it? I believe it because I'm a walking testimony of that. The Lord is who he says he is. His, his word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts right through the soul and the spirit to expose to you the, the hidden motives of your heart, the way you're being influenced by society and the truth of the spirit of God. And then you are dealt with the truth and the truth does what? Sets you free. You're like, man, I once heard of you, but now I see you and you are real and you are holy and I want you and the past is past and my best comes fast. Somebody say amen. The Lord has something special in store for your life, but don't let your life be a life of lies, hiding, shuffling, 
dealing with that and never believe the lie of the devil that has been perpetrated to every person here, including myself, that God cannot use you because of your past or that you, there's just something inherently wrong with you or the fact that you'll never be able to actually break through and live right. So you just have to trust the Lord in faith and what you have is what you have. God is a God of victory. In fact, he says you are more than a conqueror. Come on. So I want to begin in John 19. We'll see where we get to today. Bear with me. It's going to be a good day, I believe. It already is a good day, isn't it? Because this is the day the Lord has made. John 19, verse 28 through 32 in the NLT says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. Now this is Jesus hanging on the cross. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Say it is finished. Say it one more time. It is finished. Now say it like you believe it. It's finished. There we go. All right. Slap your neighbor. Say it's done. That's modern talk. Done. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. So this is right before Jesus crossed over and really went down. Defeated the devil entirely, brought back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, gave them to the church. But when Jesus said it was finished that day, I want to ask you a very important question. Was Jesus talking about the fight that he had with the devil? Was Jesus saying, it's finished, that now I'm no longer fighting the devil? Was this a victory won for God, or was it a victory won for you? Because do you think that God was ever intimidated from the devil? Do you think that the Lord... The creator of heaven and earth looked at his creation and was like nervous about it. No. Bro, get thee behind me, Satan. Who are you? You're beneath my feet. I beheld Satan as a lightning fall from heaven. He's cast out, trodden down, defeated. Hell was created to put the devil in for eternity. It wasn't created for you. But the devil is dragging as many people as he can to hell with him. Because people harden their hearts to the truth. And they don't keep themselves surrendered to God. And they let every lie of hell bombard their mind. And they agree with the devil instead of agreeing with God. But you got to come in alignment with God. When Jesus said it's finished, he was talking about winning a victory for you. So if you're struggling with hidden sin right now in your life, you got all hell breaking loose. You're in a cycle of just pain and torment. One day you feel anointed. The next day everything's unraveling. Jesus was saying that to you. That the victory needed for your life was secured 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. And by faith and a yielded heart, you can enter into that supernatural victory right here, right now, and have that for the remainder of your life. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. That goes into sickness in your body. Goes into every tormenting thing from hell. That the enemy is designed to make your life not the life God has intended it to be. It comes in the mental realm. It comes in the emotional realm. It comes in the physical realm. It comes in sin where people deal with iniquity and they don't know how to break free. Cycles of pain and torment that God wants to sever off of your life. Because he is not the God of just... Praise me in the good times and then deal with the bad times. God is the God that says, I will sever and break off every yoke of bondage upon your life. And I will give you a brand new life, a life of victory, a life of beauty, a life of grace and abundance. If you believe it, say amen. I believe it. What he's talking about, Jesus is saying, it's finished for us today. So you got to get that in your spirit. You do not have to struggle 
for 47 years on a problem waiting for the victory. If Jesus said it's finished 2,000 years ago, that is available right here, right now. It just takes you to realize this is what God has for my life and say yes to it and grab a hold of it by faith. And your life will never be the same again. Do not live under a curse. Haggai chapter 1, 4 through 9 says it this way. Why are we living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? The Lord speaks. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You've planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you are never satisfied. You drink, but you are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of Heaven's army. Why all of you are busy building your own fine houses. Living under the curse on this earth comes upon a person's life when they are more concerned with numero uno than they are the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus, have you ever read the Gospels, which I recommend you read them? (laughs) Four of them in the Bible. Jesus spent the majority of his time on earth. Write it down. Most of his parables were concerning earthly possessions. Can you believe that? Here's Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He knows all things, the bright and the morning star. And he's talking to you about what you're doing with your money? Like, let's talk about heaven, bro. Let's talk about victory. Let's talk about the blood. Let's talk about stomping the devil. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. What you do with your earthly possessions matters. He's pulling it right into our territory because whether you realize it or not, the earthly possessions that gather around you is where the enemy finds his way in. It's his currency. It's his anointing. It's what he manipulates. Manipulates the nations and rages them over these things. And God said, learn to not live for what moves the earth, but live for what moves my heart. If you live for Christ, if you live for the eternity, if you live for all the things the kingdom of God represents, everything that you could strive for, God says, I'll bless you with it freely. And so it's not even about the blessing. It is about the attitude of the heart to say, I'm living for God. I'm living for eternity. This life is but a vapor. One day it'll be gone. Here today, gone tomorrow. And what I do right here, right now matters of what I'm going to see on the other side. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I've never looked at a person. I'm not from New York, so I don't look at people and say, go to hell. In the South, we say, see you there. Stupidest saying ever. How dumb can you get and still breathe? But I used to say it. And then I met Jesus. And I realized, hell is not for me. Hell ain't where I'm going. I'm not going to see a lake of fire. I'm not going to have worms eat me for all eternity. I'm not going to see the devil because he's defeated and beneath my feet. I'm seated in heavenly places right now. I'm at the right hand of God. I'm beloved. I'm chosen. I'm called. I'm set apart. I'm appointed. 
And as for me and my house, it's finished. It's finished. Who I belong to is finished. I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And my life is no longer my own. I'll go where he wants me to go. That's why I'm in Claremont. And I love Claremont. Praise God he picked a good one. Amen. The Lord is good. But stop kidding around. Stop saying he's the Lord of your life, but he has no access to any decision you make. Oh, he's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, but I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And he's just going to show up and forgive me when I tell him to. Wake up. You're smarter than that. Even a a three-year-old knows that is not the way relationships with daddy works. Amen. Living under the curse produces a life where you can't heal in your heart. Because about the time you would heal, some other painful experience comes along the way and doubles the scar layers up. We got people coming to church in and out, but living in a life of total torment. Their hearts hurting. They might even be afraid of what's going to happen this week. That then they will walk into this place just like King Saul. The anointing is the first breath of life that they get all week. And then they walk back out and a tormenting spirit from hell is waging war in their mind and in their family and in their life. I prayed for a lady one, more, one time. She came to a service. Went through this whole list. Sounded like a, a country music song times 10. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. I prayed for her. Power of God hit her. She got set free. She went home, called the church that night, saying her husband's manifesting and the girlfriend that he brought home is manifesting. We had to go to the house in the middle of the night, start casting out demons. People are, you know, that's what it's about. Get the devil out. Stop letting him live in your back bedroom. Come on, that's the devil's room. Kick him, kick him out. He's the worst roommate you will ever have. He'll bleed you dry, he'll hurt you, he'll stab you in the back, and he'll blame everybody around you that's actually fighting for you for the pain he's causing you. Sometimes you've got to get mad enough to rise up and say, Devil, get out of my life! I don't want this anymore. I don't want the fake, I want the real. Either God can do it or he can't, but I say that God can do it. He is more than enough. But you've got to want it. You say, what does that mean? It means you've got to genuinely want it. You've got to get to a place where you say, I'm sick and tired of this thing having control in my life. I'm sick and tired of hiding things from the the, the things of God. I'm sick and tired of living a double life. I want freedom. I don't want addictions. I don't want drugs. I don't want to look at something I regret. I don't want to hate my life. I don't want to hate my wife. I don't want to hate my husband. I don't want to hate my kids. I want to love my dog even. And you can have that. But you got to open yourself up and realize the gospel is not just a message that was meant to hit your mind. It's a message that was meant to get your heart and spring a spirit on the inside of you that comes roaring like a lion saying, that's my life. That's what I'm made for, to be a child of the Most High, not a victim of this world, not beat up, torn down, throw down, and everything vicious happening in a cycle in my life. Living under a curse means as soon as you try and break free financially, something else breaks. You're like, man, I can't get ahead from losing. I can't have people say, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Well, all these sayings and all it is is just exposing the fact they're living under a curse. 
And then preachers come out with seven steps to get out from under the curse. I'll give you one step. Get real with God. Get real with God. You don't understand it's seven generations thick. I don't care if it's a million generations thick. Either Jesus sets you free or doesn't set you free. But one thing's for sure. Stop playing with the lie of a religious devil to say you've got to put up with it and endure till he comes. You don't have to endure nothing because Jesus already said it is finished. It's finished. The victory is yours. Grab a hold of that victory. So that's the reality of my life. I was preaching in a parking lot in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was just talking to a person. It was like a Nordstrom. I didn't even know how I got on this conversation. Oh, I know why. Because the guy was drinking. I knew he was drunk. And I could tell he was pouring alcohol in his cup. And so I went up to him. And I just, hey, bro, what's going on? Having a good day, I see. You know. And I preached the gospel to him. This dude starts crying. And I'm just telling him my testimony. I used to be an alcoholic. My granddad was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I went to level three rehab where I was in there with people that shot up with their toes to hide the track marks. I listened to all the garbage of this world. None of it brought me freedom. None of it brought me free. You know what brought me freedom? Meeting Jesus face to face. Looking in the eyes of the eternal one that burned like fire that looked back and shot into me and brought things out that I didn't even know were in there. It's real. And he'll touch you right here right now. And the guy said, I want it. I'm praying for this guy. This, this, this black guy comes running from across the parking lot where it was a covered parking garage. Runs over there. I want it too. And he was smoking. He said, I've been trying to stop smoking. He starts crying. I'm so sick of it. I hate it. If he can set you free, set me free. And he throws the cigarette down. I'm like, fire. Come on. But you got to want it. You got to want it. I can't get hungry for you. I can't be the one to make the decision for you. Your brother can't make it. Your mother can't make it. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. Keep praying. Because the angels of God will surround them to keep them long enough until they're going to make a decision. But let me tell you, the decision is a personal decision. Heaven, yes. Hell, no. Amen. Your marriage goes in cycles. Living under the curse is like your marriage is up and down. One second you feel great you're married. The next second you feel like... You, you, you just, everything's unraveling. Your kids, you don't have any peace. You're tormented. You lie awake at night, not because you're thinking about how good the Lord is. You lie awake at night because you are worried about what tomorrow brings. That is not from heaven. That is not heaven's best. And as a preacher of the gospel, let me tell you, with every bit of conviction I can muster, God has something better for you. He has something better for you. He has sat there with you every single night you cried out. He sat with you every time you picked up that bottle back to your lips and went right back in the cycle. He's been with you every time you lit up that thing and put it to your mouth. Every pill you sucked down, Christ never abandoned you. He stood right by you and he's still by you right now saying, if you would come to me, if you would open your heart, if you would open your ways, I will break every curse of hell off of your life. You will live a brand new life and you will never go back to the old. You're like a dog that returns to vomit I will set you free do you believe it shout amen if the Lord has set you free give a double amen come on somebody you know I honestly thought this was going to be a chill talk today I did I even didn't have coffee this morning to be cool and chill 
It's working well, as you can see. Great idea, Pastor Caleb. Jesus said it's finished. It's finished. The greatest man or woman of God you've ever read about, with the greatest miracles, signs, wonders, the greatest politician that God raised up and kept their heart pure, the greatest teacher that has ever influenced your life from a purity of God on the inside, the most powerful missionary that has ever launched to the far-flung corners of the globe and brought signs and wonders and miracles and reached the unreached is exactly what God has planned for your life. It's not always ministry, but it's always freedom. It's always truth. It's always living under a blessing and not a curse. It's always waking with a hope on the inside to say, I wonder what good will come of today. Not worried about what tomorrow brings, but excited like a kid going to Disney World before the mask. <laughs> Triple mask, quadruple mask. Put, put, just cover your whole head up. Walk into a pole. Maybe it'll knock some sense into you. I've got nothing against them, but I just don't want to wear them. I have a face. But listen, you got to decide. Are you going to go for the things of God? And this is what people don't realize. When you go for God, you're going to meet some opposition along the way. That's why people don't live in a place of freedom. Because they let some religious spirit come along the way and, and, and just suck the life of joy right out of you. Some religious devil, just like the Pharisees, that's what it means. A religious devil is like the Pharisees. Religious leaders that exalt God with their mouth, but their hearts are far from him. And they, they're walking uh, sepulchers full of dead man's bones. They're basically just dead. That's what Christ called them. You're dead. You don't have life on the inside of you. And yet you pervert things. Jesus said you cross land and sea and make them twice the convert of hell that you are. To fill people full of religion. So people get free of alcoholism, but then they get stuff full of religion. And then they're living a life that's just as painful and just as tormenting, trying to serve God through the flesh. And you can't do it through the flesh. God never intended you to do it through the flesh. The entire New Testament is centered around the reality of it's life by the Spirit. Everything changed. Life by the Spirit. It's impossible to be a new covenant Christian without embracing the realm of the Spirit. Because it's in that realm that you are victorious. It's in that realm that you are more than a conqueror. And it's in that realm that you have authority over the things that have plagued your life, your mother's life, your father's life. And God wants to break that. And he can break it once and for all. I'm a living testimony of it. It's like people want grace and it's like somewhere along the line they began to believe that they're just going to have to live this level of life i want to break that off of you that god wants to give you a great spectacular life full of joy full of peace where when you walk home you breathe deep because the peace of god is in your home come on somebody when you rise in the morning, you're like, good morning, Holy Spirit. What adventure do we have today? Ooh, what, what great thing is headed my way? What blessing will overtake me this morning? I'm free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed, baby. I thank God for that. I thank God for that. I thank God for your life. You have to choose it, though. 
Listen to this. Genesis 4, 4 through 7. The very first murder that existed in the Bible. Watch what God says. I saw a meme the other day of like Kermit the Frog with a hot cup of tea looking out the window saying Abel in heaven waiting for someone else to arrive. Three people got it. That's great. It says Abel brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. People always talk, why did God not accept Cain's gift? The Bible tells you that. You don't really need to have a theological discussion when it literally tells you why God didn't receive it. It says, this made Cain very angry. He looked dejected. You will be accepted. Or why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin, catch this, is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Sin is crouching at the door of every person under the sound of my voice. Sin has been crouching at the door from the time you were a young child. When you looked at something you shouldn't look at. The enemy has always plotted and planned waypoints along the way to keep sin ever present before your eyes because what you behold is what you will be. And Christ says, look at me and let your light eyes be full of light because if there is any darkness in you, then the whole body will be dark. What does that mean? Can I live perfection? You can live perfection in your heart through submission to Christ saying, God, change me. And when things come along the way, you repent cry out to God and you mean it and you turn from those wicked ways and you follow after Christ Jesus. Nobody is perfect, but do not let sin destroy your life. Sin is waiting to control each of us. Every generation is presented with sin. Every person has partaken in it. So the question is, will you let sin master you or will you subdue it through the help of Christ Jesus in you? That's what Jesus meant when he said it is finished. Through the hope of Christ on the inside of you, you can master the thing that once mastered you. That sin no longer is what pushes your buttons, but you have control over it and you push back against sin and set people free. Come on, somebody. How can you have faith that God will set an addict free if you are still bound up in addictions? How can you have faith that God will turn a marriage around if you don't even like the marriage you're in? How can you have faith that God will heal when you are not healed in your own body? You've got to stir this thing up and say, God, every lie from hell, I reject it in my life. And I choose life. I choose your way. And I will either go to heaven early in my life, still shouting it, or I'll live a long life as an example to this world of the reality of God. But I will not change my belief. It's through the help of Christ in you. Will you be more than a conqueror? Will you overcome? The choice is yours. A pleasing sacrifice of a life to God is where one fights the urges of your flesh and your soul to sin. You pray and seek God that you can become strong, not so that men and women celebrate you, so that you can be a holy and living sacrifice to God. Most people will not live for God. That's the reality of this world. People are shocked. How is the world, how bad it is? How is Congress this bad? Because the world is the world. Because every bit of greed, jealousy, perversion, lust is there. They manipulate one another. They have dirt on each other. They're blacky. Uh, what is it? Bla blackmailing each other. All sorts of stuff goes on in the world. It's a wicked place. But God put you here not so that you could just hear the gospel and get sucked up a, a vortex to go to heaven, which 
That would be cool, right? It was like you were preaching and you saw people. God's moving under the tent today. Five people have got a way out, you know. He leaves you here to shine in dark places. He leaves you here to be more than a conqueror in volatile territory. He leaves you so that you take territory through the reality of God on your life. Most people will not live for God, but you are not most people. It's already determined that because you showed up at the river today. Amidst everything they say about us, you're here. (laughs) Because you're not like most people. Because there's something inside you that has always known that you were put on this earth for something grand. You were a little kid and you would dream big dreams. And even though you didn't see bigness around you, you had a confidence as a kid. Something great will come from my life. And maybe up till now your life has not been what you thought it was going to be. But I'm here to tell you that God is the God that restores the years the locust has eaten. That everything the enemy has stolen from you, the Bible says he will repay sevenfold. 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 Grab a hold of that. Sevenfold. So let me tell you, 2021 is bound to be your greatest year to date. You might as well get out the calculator and start multiplying for fun. Because great things are about to come to your account because that's the God that you serve. He's not a God that takes you halfway and leaves you in that place. He's a God that says, I will be with you. As far as the east is from the west, I will be with you. All the time, God is at your side. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. You are not most people. You are unique. You are one in a 10 billion. He broke the mold when he made you. There's never been another Paul Kroll and there never will be another Paul Kroll. You're the only Paul Kroll because God said, I made that Paul Kroll exactly as I want that Paul Kroll. Why? Because God had fun up there. You could just see our Heavenly Father. I'm going to put the nose here. Stretch these ears out here. Give this guy a tall torso and short little legs. The better to praise with. Come on. God's up there molding around. He's the master clay maker. But the whole time, singing over you. Speaking life over you. Claiming you. Loving you. Choosing you. Saying, I would have, I would have sent my best son for this one. Just this one alone. That's who you are to Christ. You say, I'm trying to find love. Stop trying to find love and fall into it. It's here. He's love. I'm trying to find someone that values me. The one that values you has valued you before you even knew his name. And he's here right now. That's who you are. You're one in 10 billion. You're unique. Come on. God put you here for something spectacular. Not a life of barely getting by. Not a life of struggles. Not a life of torment. Not a life of cursing. But a life of blessing. That is for you. If you believe it once more, say amen. Aren't you glad that I always make you say amen? Amen. I thought so. Your story is not attached to the mainstream narrative of today. Thousand bombs could be loosed across America. But I'm here to tell you that if God had a plan for your life, even if the bomb hit right there, you would walk away, not even smelling of smoke. And you have to believe that. That is who he is. But it's unexplainable. It's impossible. 
start opening the Bible. <laughs> it's full of impossible situation after impossible situation where the consistent theme is God does what he says he will do. Come on, somebody. How do I know things are going to be better than tomorrow than they are today? Because God is constantly moving in my life. And what I have today, he will multiply tomorrow. Greater peace, greater authority, greater power, greater freedom, greater joy, and greater love. That's the reality of the kingdom of God. Do not settle for second best. Do not give way to the devil and keep yourself bound up. Why do you think James, if you've ever read the book of James, powerful book. Let me find it. The scripture only James 1, 18 through 22 says he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we out of all creation became his prized possession. This is James 1, 18. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourselves. It's like we've missed the fact of what a Christian is supposed to be. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're actually supposed to stand out. We're not supposed to be the one stumbling down the beach at midnight screaming drunken slurs. We're not supposed to be the person always worried and always neurotic and always stressed and always uptight and always freaking out about the situation. We're not supposed to be the person that's quick to be angry all the time, snapping on everything around us. We're supposed to be people that have a peace on the inside because we have one that we're living for. Because we spend time in his presence because the spirit is real. And we're led by that spirit. Because if we're led by that spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Somebody says, how do I get free? Stop living with your flesh alone. Live through the spirit. How do I live through the spirit? You stop feeding your flesh. Come on, somebody. The past is past. Your best comes fast, fast, fast things. Fast all that junk you're watching. Fast all that social media you're taking in. Fast every message that comes from the White House. You don't need to hear that. Fast. Sometimes you got to fast all the stuff you're shoving in your face. You eat Snickers 18 times a day and drink 17 Mountain Dews and wonder why you're neurotic. Your body's so screwed up right now. You could have hands laid on by a million healing evangelists. You're still going to walk like, <laughs> bro, there's more yellow number seven in your veins than there is blood. You want to get free? Stop feeding the flesh. Come on, man. It's like God heals you on Sunday and you're already sick Tuesday because you shoved a bunch of junk, toxic stuff down your throat. Maybe that's not what I should even go into right now, but I don't even know how I got on the subject. But the reality is, stop feeding the flesh. Flesh loves, it gets puffed up about other people's opinion of you. The spirit cares only about his opinion of you. So the difference is, are you living for the praises of a group of people? Or are you living for the acceptance of your father above? 
And it switches like that to say, man, they can say what they want. As long as they're saying that because I'm living for him, then I'm doing things right. And that's the place of freedom. Come on. That's the place where you're no longer manipulated by the enemy, wherever you're pulled this way and pulled that way. Believers, you got to have some grit this day and age. I'm sick and tired of weak believers. I want strong believers, full of faith, full of power, to look the devil in the eye and say, come on, show up Sunday, show up Monday, show up anytime you want. I'll still kick you in the face. we got people living in America that's like every time anything of the enemy, they're like, did you hear what the ex-Satanist was saying of how the devil works? I don't care. What the ex-Satanist is saying about how the devil works. That's like going to Tom Brady and saying, did you see what the quarterback from Mascot was doing? You should be more like him. I don't care. He's way beneath me. The devil is way beneath you. The kingdom of darkness is a defeated kingdom. Stop trying to understand how it works. You don't care how it works because it's unraveled and broken. What works is the kingdom of light. Get it in you. Let it transform you. Let it renew your mind. Live from the spirit, not by the flesh. Stop letting your emotions overtake you to where it's like, I love God. And then you're like, I'm depressed. I'm heavy. And then you perceive. I'm perceiving something, Pastor Caleb. That's not perception. That's a bad attitude. Get rid of it. We sang about it in elementary school. Bad attitudes suck. can't believe he said that. I can't either, but let's go with it. You understand what I'm saying? No, we're supposed to be spiritual people, but not fruit loop people. See, people make everything in the spirit and get it fruit loopy and they don't live in freedom and they don't live with victory. And then they try and perpetrate that to the church and say, that's what our goal is. I don't want that. I want true freedom. I want to wake up and have common sense and the spirit of God. Amen. I want life on the inside of me, and I want absolute freedom for my family, for my children, and I don't want to go to bed worried about tomorrow. Amen. And that's not the promise of God. But the, the, the goal is, or the, the key is, don't, list, don't just listen to God's word. You've got to choose to live it. You've got to choose to live it. If God says don't touch it, don't touch it. If God says repent, repent. If God says, come to me when you're hungry, when you're heavy laden down, you come to him. If God says he gives you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that means when depression tries to come on you, you start shouting glory to God till you break it. It means you, you grab this and say, this is truth. This will work. I will bet my life on this. I will give everything I've got to this word, which means you will have a hunger to read the word so you know the key to life is to live for Christ Jesus and him alone. Amen? Amen. I, read, I want to read this to you in Joshua 7, 10 through 13. The first time I ever read this, actually, and I, I, I love the heat. Everybody okay? Yeah. Anybody in here like, man, I need one of those fans you were talking about? This guy's got a beanie on. He is like pushing through. It's like, it's, that's like next level fasting. Like, I love the Lord so much, I will wear a beanie and I will just persevere. Lord, touch him today. First time I ever read this in Joshua, I was actually amazed by this, this bit of truth in the word. Now, to put things in perspective, Joshua's leading the people into the promised land. And if you ever read about Jericho, the supernatural moment of Jericho, where they walked around the city and the walls just came down. Incredible story. 
And I had always, for whatever reason, the random few times my family went to church when I was a kid, you know, I would, they would always talk about that story. And my, I was raised kind of with the religious mind, mind, mindset that this was a stupid plan. The Israelites shouldn't do it. And really, everybody in Jericho was making fun of them and was expecting to beat the Israelites. But if you read the Bible, it's actually very clear that everybody in the city was terrified of the Israelites. It says that their hearts were failing them from fear because of the word of what God had done for the Israelites when he brought them out of Egypt. So they were actually in stark fear. They weren't coming out of the walls. They were staying inside the walls because they were terrified of the children of God because they had heard. He drowned the whole army of the Egyptians in the Red Sea. Don't mess with God's chosen people. Well, I say we have that back in this generation now. The devil needs to know, don't lay a finger on God's people. You touch us, you're going to regret it. You fight one of us, a thousand more are going to come and take territory from you. Amen. And so that's put it in perspective. But now they're victorious everywhere they go. They're winning because God is on their side. When God is on your side, scripturally, you don't have defeat. You have victory and victory and victory. Somebody say amen. amen. Isn't that great? When the Lord is on your side, every time you read the Lord is on their side, they do not lose. They win. So if you're losing in life, like I said, feel like you're living under a curse, then you got to get real with yourself. And say, God, what in my life do I need to repent of? What junk is going on within me that you want to get it out? What am I falling victim to Monday through Saturday that is costing hell to be released in my life? Because I believe in your word and I believe you are who you say you are. But the truth is, I don't yet have it. And when you get to that place of honesty to say, I'm not yet living it, I'm going to make the changes to walk into it. And maybe God will call you out of a relationship. You know, I was listening to one preacher one time all about using that scripture, get out of the boat, and God will call you out of the ship. He'll call you out of a, the, the kingdom ship, the relationship. You've got to get out of the relationship sometimes. One that's constantly pulling you into hell. Well, or maybe it's a friendship of a friend that keeps coming around, and every time you're wanting to live right, he comes back around with the old thing and always looks at you and treats you as the old you instead of the new you. When God set me free, he said, I need you to move from where you're living or in two months time, you'll be right back where I just delivered you from. Because people don't want you to change is what he said. That's true. People don't want you to change. They want you to be miserable and defeated so that you don't convict them about the hell that they've embraced in their own life. Choose freedom and shine bright for Jesus. And don't let the world condemn what God has placed on the inside of you. Walk with the freedom that God has given you. Joshua 17, you found it? It says, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Now, Joshua was pining before the Lord because they were defeated. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. 
Now, if you've read this, you know this story. That there was a man that took some things that God told him not to take, silver, I believe, and he buried it in his tent. Now, keep in mind, Israel is not like our size. It's not like God's dealing with a group of 300, 400, whatever people. They were millions, probably 2 million in number, if not more. So you're talking about a vast, massive crowd of people. And one man hid something that God said, do not take, and buried it in his tent. And now 2 million people are facing destruction because of the wickedness that one person let in. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? How will churches ever, (laughs) ever make it? In the new covenant, things are different. The Lord deals with you entirely. The fullness of heaven is released upon a person yielded to God now. That you become the temple of the Most High. Amen. And so you can walk in the blessing even if someone very close to you does not want to walk in the blessing. God will be with you. That person close to you can still let hell in. But you can walk in in victory in your own personal life. But take note of this. If this person can affect 2 million people. How much can one area of your life that you keep hidden from God begin to affect every area of your life? How much can one hiccup that you say, it can't be that bad. I only do it every now and then or I only fall once and twice a month. You think that that is not affecting the life that you have with Christ Jesus and wondering why am I on a cycle that doesn't seem to ever get anywhere? As soon as it looks good, it unravels before me. It's because the curse of hell has found a way to keep you bound in this trap. And you got to break the power of sin, as we read. Sin lies at the door. It wants to control this generation. Look at the attack coming on our kids right now. They don't know if they like boys or girls. They don't know if they are a boy or a girl. They don't know up from down, left from right. They don't know what they were biologically born as. You think that's natural? That's not natural. That's hell released upon the minds of pure kids to manipulate them and take them down a journey of pain, suffering, and abuse. I read the Equality Act. You know what it actually lays out? It says that because transgenders, queers, all of that stuff that they label, LBGTQ+, I think I said it right. It says they have historically lived at poor poverty levels with lesser, not nice homes. They've always struggled financially. And it lists all of that. And the whole thing of the Equality Act is trying to let them live at the same economic level, supposedly, as everybody else. When I read that, you know what I got? I said, it's just evidence of when you live for the devil, you will have the fruit of hell. And the fruit of hell is pain, bondage, addictions, broken hearts, lack, suffering, being beaten, being tormented. And God says, I have come to set you free, not just here in your mind, but in reality, so that you walk in a place of freedom where the the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can increase you. Man, I tell you, serving God pays big time. It'll deliver. Your body will be healthier. Your mood will be healthier. Your marriage will be stronger. Your bank account will be stronger. Everything in your life will blossom and grow because the Bible says there's a river 
of crystal clear water that flows from the throne of grace. And everywhere that that river touches, life springs up around it. That when it comes across a desert, a paradise comes to pass. That's the reality of the spiritual world. That when you let the word of God in and the river of heaven flood your life, life springs up around you. Torment runs away. Demons have to flee. Pain has to go. Suffering is broken. And why does that matter? It matters because when you're living that way, someone looks at you and says, I want what you have. How do I get it? And you can say through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The same way I got it. It's not because I'm great. It's not because I'm amazing. It's not because I was born and had a halo and the angels sang, holy, holy is this child. He will grow up and do great things. It's because I lived a life of hell and got to the point where I said, I don't want hell. I want heaven. And I cried out to God, a God who has ears to hear. And he's quick to respond. And he came into my life. And when he came into my life, it was new. It was different. It was maybe nerve-wracking. It was probably scary. And I got picked on. But I still said yes to him. Because I'd already experienced the hell of the world. And I knew that's never going to be the thing that changes my life. I want heaven. Not that. And it set everything free. You know, I'm a preacher of the gospel now for coming up on 10 years. Thank God for that. What a, high, what a privilege. I thought that the other day with Joe. What an honor to ever be asked to be a spokesperson for God. There's not a higher honor. I mean, whether there's three people or thousands, to be asked to be the person to speak on behalf of the Lord is the highest honor. And if you ever get that opportunity, do it in fear and trembling. And don't let pride get into your heart where look at what I've done. You didn't do it. He did it and he does it through you. And you keep that, that in line. But it's like I still get messages on Facebook from people that knew me in high school that are like, how did this happen? It's like they just found me all these years later. And they're like, I scrolled through eight years on Facebook. It's consistent. You've been serving the Lord. How did this happen? We knew you. You were not this person. Did you nearly die? Did you get in a car wreck? I mean, there's crazy questions. They're trying to figure it out. And it's like, I just cried out to God. And he listened. And he's real. And he changed my life. And the old me is dead and gone. I don't think like that idiot thought. Praise God, I don't think like that guy. Who's thankful that you are not who you once were? Man, look at this crowd of redeemed people. So today, man, I want to open it up and I want to pray with people. You want it broken out of your life. But listen, sometimes to get free of things in your life, it's going to seem like it's going to cost you something. When God calls you to walk away from something that you've been allowing in your life and you go through that moment where you have to take that step of faith and say, I'm breaking this thing. Come hell or high water. Let me tell you something. God set me free of drugs and alcohol. But I'd been living a total reprobate life, as the Bible calls it. Sleeping around, doing everything that the world does. And I want you to grab this because I want you to understand if you want to get free, you're going to have to be real with God and say, God, I am not going to let up halfway. I'm going to keep the steam on until I break free in all areas of my life. And I would sit in my, my, my apartment in Nashville, Tennessee. I just moved. 
Left all my job, everything. I was the dude on the couch. I didn't even have a bedroom. It was like a bunch of us in one apartment complex. I slept on the couch. And like thoughts would bombard my mind. Impure thoughts. Get drunk. Go find a girl. All of these things. They would, they would literally like, it was like a force coming at me to where my body would shake. And I remember in those moments, sitting there all alone, and that's the key, all alone. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to separate you from people that will stand with you. Why? Because a person only, you ever watch those videos when the lion gets the gazelle? It's never the one in the center. It's the idiot that's on the outside. You always wonder why, what is, what is wrong with these gazelles? Always be the dude in the center. You know what I'm saying? It's a little hotter, but at least it's safe. <laughs> no. And so I remember shaking and my friend, Charlie Champ, a lot of people know him. We go way back. His dad was all, he's a minister of the gospel too. And they always had their home open. And I remember being in Nashville all alone, my mind shaking, trying to fight these tormenting thoughts. And I would get up and I would drive to Charlie's house and I would knock on the door and I would just ask him, can I sit on your couch? He said, that's stupid. <laughs> but it worked because I would sit there and their house was a house bathed in prayer bathed in the glory of God. And I would just sit on their couch and just let the presence of God soak over me. And I'd just cry and just thank the Lord. I didn't have a textbook. I didn't even know. I didn't, nobody was like counseling me that this is the way to freedom. It was just in me. My heart was so saying, I'm done with this. I'm sick of this. I don't want this. This is not good. This is hellish. I don't want to live my life in hell. I want heaven. And so I would just run to anybody I knew that had any type of anointing. Knock on the door. You know how awkward it is to knock on a person's door and ask if you could sit on their couch? You know how humbling it is? Because you know what they're thinking. Something's wrong with this person. They got, they got demons all over them. right? Something. And to have the humility to sit there and say, can I just sit here? Please just let me sit here. Because I don't want to go back where God brought me from. I'm not going back there. It took out my granddad. It's fought my dad. But it ain't going to win on me. And it ain't going to touch my kids. Because I'm deciding right now, I will break the power of hell. If you're looking for the next generation to be blessed, start it right now, God. I'll fast till I get it. I'll cry out till you hear me. But I'm not playing games. And people in the church, they play games. I'll come to the service, I'll get prayer, and then they'll walk right out and let hell right back in. You've got to stop it. Don't do God that way, and don't do you that way. You are of more value than you treat yourself. Stop treating yourself like an imbecile. Stop treating yourself like a has-been, a nobody. You are precious in the eyes of the Heavenly Father with a calling that has been God sent from the foundation of time. And all of hell wants to stop it because all of hell knows one person that grabs a hold of true freedom torments the kingdom of darkness. You know, I've been called to live a life of bondage and called to live a life of freedom, true freedom. True freedom, where you know God and you know his voice and you don't need 18 counselors set by for when you have a bad time because you know how to get on your face before the Lord and get things right. 
because you've learned to hear his voice. That voice is the most precious voice in your life, more precious than any other voice, the still small voice that utters, Caleb, watch yourself. Caleb, what are you doing? Yes, Lord, I hear you and go right back on track. When I got radically set free and I'm in Bible school, I told the Lord, Father, I don't know if this is biblical. I don't know if I can ask this, but I ask that you would put me on the shortest leash possible so that if I even begin to step one foot in the wrong direction, I give you permission to pull me right back in line because I refuse to damage the kingdom of light with a bad reputation. I want to live for God. I want to live right. I want to I want to shine forth for his glory and I want to show this generation that heaven is real and hell is broken. Come on. And we're talking about a generation that has everything right before them. It's before this young generation, every generation, everybody here. So if you don't make the decision that you're going to break the power of sin, then it's always going to keep finding a way back in. Well, it's just a drink on Friday night. Yeah, but you are not the person that just drinks on Friday night. You're the person that starts drinking Friday night and wakes up Monday morning wondering where the weekend went. You say, but it's innocent. It's okay. Break the power of that off of your life. Especially if you have kids. They should never see it. They should grow up in a household that only sees the glory of God. So that in their mind, there's not even a mental struggle. Because they know. That ain't for our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We don't hide things in dark corners. You can open every closet in my house and all you're going to find is a bunch of crusted raisins that my kids threw in there, but nothing of hell because my household is a household for the glory of God. We pray. We seek the Lord. We cry out. Not into that stuff. Go, don't go into that room. You can go into that room. It may be an ugly room. It may have clothes thrown about, but they are not perverse clothes. I don't even know if there is perverse. I guess club clothes. Notice I don't wear see-through Italian shirts. Praise God. <laughs> the Lord delivered me of that addiction. No, I never had it. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's moving. <laughs> Say no to the Lord or whatever it's called. Start rooting out your life. I'll hit it, man. And talk about spiritual truth. I'm just going to go for it today. And you might think I'm weird. Listen, I went to Bible college. And a friend of mine says, let's watch Blair Witch Project 2. It's a great movie. And so I'm like, okay. So it's in our apartment. We start watching Blair Witch Project 2. Man, like nudity, cussing, demons. I was like, what part of this is good? This is not good. And I went to bed. I said, I'm not watching this with you. I'm going to bed. I'm on fire for the Lord. I'm a, you know, first year Bible school student. I'm full of, you know, rah. So I go to bed. The next day I went to work, came back, and I began to pray when I got home. And you can think I'm crazy, but literally when I began to pray, it's like I felt a heavy, dark presence in the room. And it's like I felt like something was standing about eight foot tall right by, by me. And I was like. Oh, we done opened the door to hell. But I know the solution. 
And I was like, mama, I bind every devil of hell. I bind every spirit of lust, every spirit of perversion, every demonic spirit of fear. I cast you out. I prayed. I mean, I'm going to town. I got oil. I'm slapping the doorposts. Everywhere in there, man. When's the last time you did that to your house? When's the last time you just started singing by the spirit and speaking things out, slashing oil on the walls? We'll have to paint later. Praise God. It'll be anointed paint. When's the last time you dug out and found out that old junky movie with that scene that you've watched 800 times, break that thing, burn it and get it out. You know, in the Bible, it says that when revival shook the city of Ephesus, they flooded the streets and began to burn the things of their past. They were not playing games. They said, this idol is going to go down. Mm -mm. He ain't coming home with me today. You foul little demon of torment. I will burn you on the streets, baby. No longer looking at that, no longer reading that, no longer drinking that. I got a pastor friend of mine in D.C. His whole church is lined with crack pipes and, and alcoholic bottles of people that come in and just throw it up there. It's time to break that. Well, we keep the liquor cabinet just for great times when people come over. Yeah, well, you want a great time when people come over. Pray, seek the Lord, let the peace of God in. And I probably am preaching the most unpopular message in all of Claremont right now. I mean, it's probably people are like, my God, this guy is trying to get the most un un unloved pastor award. But if I don't tell you the truth, then I don't love you. And I'll tell you, if you play with hell, hell will play with you. But if you seek after heaven, heaven will be released upon your life and you will no longer live a life of up and down. The Bible doesn't talk about the believer having up and down things the believer is supposed to be consistent and steadfast that hell breaks loose beside us but we look at the hell and say not today you do you we do us and everywhere we go the power of God goes with us and sets us free come on get your household purified baby get junk out of that thing get things that don't belong there out of the house you don't need them what did it ever do what does serving the devil ever do it leads to more bondage Everybody knows you start on alcohol, you go to marijuana, you go to prescription pills, then you're on coke, then you're on this, then you're shot in this, and then you're smoking meth, and then you're in the back of a van down by the river. How did I get here, you say? Because one bad choice after one bad choice after one bad choice, and all it takes is to reverse it is one solid decision to say today is the day that the past is past and my best comes fast. It's behind me. Get thee behind me, Satan. I will not live this way anymore. My children will not live this way. My children's children will not live this way. Amen. That what God begins in me, he will perfect in them if he tarries. My children will see greater signs and wonders than I will see. And my grandchildren will walk in a realm of blessing and authority far beyond my wildest dreams. Because if you take one life and you get it set free and you put it in the next generation, God begins to amplify and build. And hell knows that. So hell wants to stop it now. But you say, no. I live for God. Romans 12, 2 says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do I know what God has in store for my life? 
it begins by you letting God transform you so that you even begin to change the way you think. That you don't think like you once thought. And you don't move like you once moved. And you don't react like you once react. I can stub my toe in the dark and I'll still praise the Lord. And I used to cuss four-letter words every other word. That was the only adjectives I knew were four-letter words. I remember when I got saved, no one even said stop cussing. I just went to watch a movie that I always loved. And I was so grieved by the movie. And I thought, how did I not hear these before? I don't want to hear these anymore. And you get rid of them. Now you, you stub your toe and all you can say is praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I mean, it's like praise God. Hallelujah. But it is praising the Lord. You don't, you don't even slip up. Why? Because it's not in your nature anymore. Come on, somebody. You have a new nature. You have the nature of your father. And the nature of your father is a victorious nature. You don't hear someone say something and interpret it as an attack against you or get in this victim mindset because you're living from a place of victory and love. You hear things and you're moved with compassion when you hear the things. Oh, God, I hope they don't think that way. May they see and love and know you like I know you. It's a place we're supposed to live, not fearful of what people think about us, not worrying about what's going on around us, not living every day stressed out, but living every day calm, peaceful, full of joy, full of life, because the word is truth and it's the plumb line of your life. And you have what he says you have. And it ain't fake. Come on, somebody. It ain't like I'm saying it, you know, praise God, and one day I'm going to get there in the sweet by and by, around and around the mountain I go. But you have it right now. You're free right now. You don't think like, and when the thought comes, you take authority over the thought. Come on, somebody. That's what the Bible says. You take authority over your own thoughts. Say, as my, as my father-in-law says, when a bird flies over your head, doesn't mean you have to make a nest for him to stay on your head. Every, all the devil will put every thought there can come at you. And you just have to recognize it like, that does not sound like victory. That does not sound like the Lord. I bind that stupid thought in Jesus' name. I cast it out. I think like God. I move like God. I have the mind of Christ. Peace is in me. Joy is in me. Victory is in me. I don't think that way. That is not of God. Come on. And when you get that mindset right, as a man thinks, so is he. So when you begin to think like God, because you got real with God, and you went, let God inspect all areas of your life. And you said, go anywhere. Open every door of my household, God. Go down in the basement. Drag out the old luggage. Drag out the old photo albums. Drag it all out and I'll put it all before you. And anything you tell me to get rid of, we're going to get rid of that thing because we're going to live a pure and holy life. Amen. True story. My father-in-law received a whole bunch of books from a, a minister that passed away. Thousands of books. And they put it in their house. And one day he woke up and he was praying in the spirit and the spirit of God just took over and he started walking. He went down to his basement where the thousands of books were and they were still in boxes. They hadn't even been unboxed. I'm talking stacked up boxes everywhere. Walks right, moves two boxes, opens a box, reaches in there and pulls out satanic Bible. Thousands of books just brought in the house. Wakes up one day, doesn't know that the book is even there. And the Lord leads him right to that book. And he looks at it and he's like, not in my house. Burns that lie, you know. Now they had it for research purposes. But that goes back to what I was talking about. You don't need to research how the devil thinks. Because the way he thinks is not good. You don't even need to get in the mind of the enemy. Because you have the mind of Christ, which is the mind of victory. And he knows if you think like God, he can never find a way in. 
But he took that thing, burned the thing, and then just thought, man, thank the Lord. You have that available to you. You can go home right now and just begin to seek the Lord, and he will lead you to anything in your life that's out of place. And you can get it right and release the fullness of the blessing of God upon your life. Who is ready for 2021 to be the greatest year of your life? It's truth. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We want to go ahead and change. We're going to begin to go into baptisms right now. Um, I'll, I'll keep going just a moment while you guys get ready. But Romans 6, 1 through 3, as you bow your heads, I want to read this scripture to you. And then I'm going to give a call for those of you that are ready. You want to go after God like never before. Romans 6, 1 through 3, 13 says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. When we talk about baptism today. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by his glorious power of his Father, now also we may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we die with Christ, we know we also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ has raised him, was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.